Welcome to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of identity and healing with your host, Dr. Laura Polak, a somatic healer and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Good morning and welcome to the Queer Body. So happy to have everybody here. Feels like this time in our universe is an opportune time to share with community. Things are feeling a little scarier than they have. So I am delighted to bring Alex into our space today. I'm going to read a little bit about you so that people will know who you are and what we're going to be chatting about. As always, I invite you all to get on to our new website. I'm really proud of it. It has been a bit of work called thequeerbody.com. You will find under resources all of the people that I've interviewed there and how to reach them, as well as classes will be starting in spring. And I'm excited about that. And I'm really looking forward to inviting people who've been with us in these podcasts to teach classes. So check us out in spring. It should be up and running. This is about Alex. Alex is who we have today. Alex is a comprehensively trained Pilates and movement teacher with over two decades of teaching experience and a lifetime of being a performer, band, and musical theater and athlete. She's been lucky enough to forge a space for folks to safely delve into what this conversation looks and feels like through their virtual and private home studio in Oakland, California. Alex previous 13-plus years, full-time career centered around a public health nonprofit low-income advocacy, both on the micro and macro levels. Thankfully, the combination of her passion, education, and clinical advocacy work has coupled well with her movement life and has morphed into where she finds herself today. There is more here for you to look at on our website, but I'd rather speak with you live. So welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here and great to see you in person. I know. We've had all these conversations virtually, but it's nice to see your beautiful face. Same to you. Thank you. And I'm happy for the sun in the Bay Area here in in the USA. Yeah, Yeah. in the Bay Area. It's been raining for days, y'all. We are so ready. It's been our first sunny day in, what, two weeks? Yeah, it was feeling a lot like Oregon. I used to live in Oregon, and I did my undergrad there and lived there for about 10 years. And the weather since December was really reminding me of of Oregon. My body started to kind of just go into this rhythm. There was a little bit of blah, maybe not seasonal effect, but I'm just that overcast and lack of vitamin D. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you work with animals as well, which is the part I didn't read. So working with animals in the rain has its own pleasures or not. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's a completely different beast (laughs) in and of itself. The animals are extra in in many different ways. Just the barometric pressures can affect things. Dog training can be difficult Mm -hmm. unless somehow they're being conducted indoors. But even so, it's just, it's better to do it on sunnier days. Absolutely. Anyway. So on to you. Um, I was mentioning Golly, geez, I am so frustrated with the state of what's been happening in our queer world right now. So now more than ever, I will just share with you in our community that I was trying to do ads on Facebook and on Instagram or whatever, so we could get more people to hear what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And they have a new algorithm out that filters out, you're using the terms 
lesbian, gay, queer, LGBT, they've decided that it's political in terms. So if you were to send out your marketing, you can't use those terms anymore. And I go, golly, it is everywhere. It's it's really like I I spent a good couple days crying. So it's a wonderful day to say, hey, Alex, what does it mean to be queer to you? Share (laughs) with me. I want to be with my peoples. I do. I do want to be with my people. I mean, that it's a sense of, you know, for me, being queer really encapsulates just me, who I am. I mean, it's a vast matrix of just diversity and differences, but that is exactly what our unity is. So it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful concept. And, you know, I'm definitely not one to prefer to box myself into certain categories but the word queer for me feels, after all these years, feels like a good place for me to settle and to, and to be. I mean, I definitely am just me and people who know me know what that means. That means my relationship with other queer identified people, animals, it's a big piece, as you can tell. I'm a shirt that talks about, you know, my horse, which I do have three. We can get to that later. But the sense of just belonging and understanding that maybe things aren't what they appear to be, you know, what something looks like on the outside doesn't necessarily mean, you know, what's going on on the inside or or what that person is. So maybe a good example of that would be my current relationship. And well, I I've been in this relationship for 15 years, which is <laughs> huge. <laughs> it's a huge accomplishment, let me tell you. Good job. Uh, with a trans man. And so when we walk through the world uh, in our white bodies going out to the world, we are definitely in most circumstances, even in the Bay Area, we are looked at as a heteronormative couple most of the time. Mm-hmm. In queer spaces, it can get really interesting. Sometimes gay men will just assume that my partner's son is gay. And are you not aware that you're gay yet? Aren't I mean, you're a gay man, right? Don't you know this yet? So it's, there's a sense of vacillating in that a little bit. And that can be, admittedly, that can be a challenge. I mean, that can be a challenge, maybe even in lesbian spaces as well. Because previous to my, to this relationship dynamic, I was with women who identified as lesbians. So some of them did transition later. Um, and some of them didn't. But so it's been a really interesting place to live. You and I were chatting about this on the phone, yeah. too. And, you know, yeah. I don't want to put a label on you, particularly given everything you just said. Right. You also on video present as more feminine than more masculine. I don't know yeah. if you identify that way. But I know for myself, I co-parent with a trans man as well and have mm-hmm. a lot of trans people in my life. And it's an interesting conversation about how particularly for femme identified women, mm-hmm. how to flag that you're queer when you're married in a heteronormative yeah. looking relationship. So yeah. how, do you, how do you manage that flag? You know, queerness? it's tricky. It is tricky. I mean, it's not like, I mean, part of me feels like it's nobody's fucking business. <laughs> right? Right. So yeah. there's a piece of that, right. And there's a sense of liberation and maybe even rebellion in the queer experience for me. and. Also, just, I mean, gosh, I know we could spend the entire podcast talking about this. 
as far as you know how I present, yeah. What's interesting is what you're looking at is my COVID hair. So prior to, to COVID, <laughs> I had boy short hair. Uh-huh. Now, when my partner and I were walking around the world with my boy short hair two and a half years ago, I mean, we're talking faux hawk. I mean, and I have a teeny, I still have my little undercoat. You no, know, it's very still, apparent. Makes me feel, you know, still very connected. I think it was the makeup that was kind of making me flat. Yeah, you know, and that's just to even out my face because when I woke up this morning, uh, <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, we're gonna need to, we're gonna need to do a little zhuzhang here." So, uh, <laughs> so, but you know, I kind of, in terms of how I present, I vacillate. It just depends on how I feel. Like when I woke up this morning, I felt like wearing this T-shirt. Right when my hair is like this, and I'm with my partner, I feel like. We are definitely more heteronormative. We appear way more heteronormative. When my hair is super short, especially in the queer community, we kind of get, huh, like people's heads kind of, hmm, what's going on there? So it's just, I don't know. I haven't unpacked it completely yet. It is what it is. And I kind of just go back to, it's kind of nobody's business. And also, yes, I'm open to having conversation about it pending the circumstance. I mean, it just depends on where I'm at, what the situation is. So yes, I'm open to talking about it, but I've noticed a huge difference since I've grown my hair out. And quite frankly, I just did this because I was totally lazy. (laughs) First of all, I couldn't go get my hair cut. And, you know, having short hair, I love and I miss, and I'm probably going to cut it again one day soon because I keep seeing old memories pop up in my newsfeed oh, there's my old hair. Oh, I miss it so much one day. So it's, this is just kind of who I am. It does look, it feels more feminine. Most of the time I actually pull my hair back, which is also (laughs) interesting. And I don't wear my hair down. It's interesting because I don't do feminine identification based on looks either. I think it's for me. I mean, that's a much larger conversation. And I apologize because you just said, I don't like to be boxed in and then I boxed you in. So (laughs) I retract. (laughs) And let you define yourself. But I am curious about like when you guys have a moment Mm -hmm. and you want either of you, but he's not on this call. So I'm asking you, when you want to be seen as queer and not as a straight couple, how do you manage that? That's a really, (laughs) it's a great question. Mm -hmm. So are you talking like maybe in queer spaces or just in general in the world? Well, I'm with you with a fuck you attitude. Like, you yeah. know, it's none of your damn business. Right. There are times where I'm like, look, I want to be seen for the way I am. I mean, yeah. I made a decision for myself when I was raising my kid with my co-parent. Yeah. I let them all just believe I was straight. I was over it. I, you know, the educational process was not worth my time. Oh, yeah. And to this yeah. day, you know, I, most of the time I just go, you know, you're not worth my energy. Like you know, education is a gift and you yeah. don't deserve it. Right. Now, there are times that I go, I'm done. Your assumptions are annoying. And then yeah. I have a little piss. Like right now, I, I tend to be a little angry. Right. But there are times where I can be more compassionate and kind about the assumptions sure. people are making. Sure. sure. But I don't live with it anymore. Right now, the person I'm dating is female identified and androgynous and people can tell. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't have that problem, but I have had lots of problems with identity in our community. You know, when I was younger, just being a femme woman, I would have yeah. to do things to be recognized. And now I present as a soccer mom for a lot of people. <laughs> this sucks. I'm not a soccer mom. Where? Like, Great. How did this happen? Yeah. Yeah. 
So, you know, yeah. just about us feeling like we get to identify ourselves. Absolutely. How that lands for you when people are constantly projecting on you, your identity. Yeah. You know, and that's what, you know, for me, I go to the place of when I look at the younger generations, I feel hopeful. I feel like younger people, maybe not even queer or queer identified or in that space, how we identify, it's like, it doesn't even matter. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, so what? No big deal. Okay. Oh, great. You're gay. Oh, you're queer. Oh, whatever. And I like, I love that kind of approach because it feels like there's another sense of, okay, well, what are you doing in the world? What is your purpose? Why do you get up every day? There's just a different sense. There's not as much of a focus. I mean, sure, that's great. But it's, and if, if I'm trying to just say that essentially, I think that in the queer space, it's been, you know, it has been a struggle for me. I think in terms of my specific relationship and even when I'm out by myself, I think people probably assume, especially with my hair, the way that it is now that I'm probably straight. Although I'm in the beautiful bubble of the Oakland community in the Bay area here, you know, on the the West coast, California, I think that there is a sense that maybe there's some queerness there, (laughs) but also I kind of just really don't care. (laughs) And similar to you, it really depends on the circumstance that I'm in. If it's a person that I feel is going to be receptive to an educational moment, (laughs) Mm -hmm. or if it's going to be worth it to me, or if it's not safe. I mean, there definitely can be situations where it may not be safe. And unfortunately, my partner and I have found ourselves in situations where it hasn't been a safe circumstance. Either we've been at the wrong place at the wrong time, or it just doesn't feel right in your gut. You know, you just get that gross feeling in your gut and you just kind of go with that. So I think it's an amazing time to be talking about this, but it's also, I think, a very volatile time for our community again. And I know that the word queer, especially for older generations, can be extremely triggering. So I acknowledge that that is also something that exists still. But I think that there's a sense of reclaiming that maybe come with that word over the past, I don't know, decade, maybe. I don't know. It just feels, it feels comfortable to me, but I also acknowledge that it may not to somebody from this community from an older generation, maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah, I am the older generation, so I don't know. But I'm right. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I, you know, I feel like the older generation as well. But, but you know, there's just I, I don't know. I can go on and on about this, That's and I know that I know that we. Time. Yeah. I think we've come yeah. to a resting place. There is a part of me that wants to open up your experience in a trans couple in this time, but I know that that could just go down a wormhole, but it is a really hard time for trans people. It is a really rough time. And so I want to say, I'm really fucking sorry. I mean, like tearfully, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's, I mean, specifically black trans women. I mean, and that's just, (sighs) yeah. And and working towards an anti-racist lifestyle and just, that's an on going daily process. You're going to fuck up. You're going to do okay. You're going to fuck up. And when you know better, you do better. And there are so many layers to all of this, to the queer. There really are so many layers. And again, that's what makes it so beautiful and amazing, but it's, it can be, it's extremely heavy and it's extremely heavy right now. And then women's rights. I mean, now all our rights are all just basically slowly being taken away. Absolutely. 
Uh, and the political climate is not even worth spending any more time talking about. No, it's not. Anyway. So let's talk about how we resource ourselves. And so this program is unique in that I also talk about the cutting edge of healthcare yes. and physical practices. And how do you work with people with physical practices? Talk to me a little bit about your how you do you. Yeah. Okay. So it's great. I'm, I find myself in a really unique position currently. I'm, well, I, I would say for the last, I'll, I'll just go to the last, you know, 12 years or so mm-hmm. where I've morphed myself, as you mentioned at the intro, kind of where I find myself today. So my background experience has been a hodgepodge of different types of advocacy, if you will. And being connected with my body, breath, and getting people into that space is a really fun experience for me. And it's also sometimes a super big challenge, depending on, you know, who I'm working with and what's going on with that person. So basically, what I do is I kind of take when a person walks into my studio, or if I go, I also do mobile. So sometimes I will have a business call me and ask me to teach a class for their staff for self care. So it kind of just depends. But essentially, what I do is I like to just meet the person where they're at that day, right? So whether that's a new person to me and I've never seen them before, or it's somebody I've been working with for months and years, right? So when a person walks in, we take a minute to just check in. Usually that means I have what I have these little pinky balls, like these mushy little bouncy balls, essentially, and I'll have them roll their feet out. I really like people getting connected with their feet. I think we are you know, in this technological age of dependence, and we're constantly on our phones, and we're having to be dependent on all of these things. So I really like people to quite literally ground themselves. (laughs) So a lot of pinky ball, most people who've been here, they just go right over to the area grab and I have all different kinds. And football works for them, and they roll their feet out. And we just check in, we talk five minutes, I mean, five minutes or less, check in. And that gives me a really good idea about where that person is that day. And being able to have a narrative with somebody and an ongoing narrative with an individual is really important. And that helps me kind of lead the session. And, you know, part of that is them also leading the session. You know, I want them to lead me. Where where are you? Are you in a good headspace? Did you get enough sleep last night? You know, where are you in this time and space? Where is your body in time and space? Are you connected? Are you here? Or are you, you know, your phone is in the corner and every time it goes off, you have to go check it. Things like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's getting people to say, hey, can you take 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes to just give to yourself? And for some people on some days, that can be a really hard thing to do. And so being able to work in that space and do that and nine times out of 10, if a person walks through the door and they're feeling like crap, or I can kind of tell and they're maybe not saying it to me, they just feel a little down or maybe something is off, right? Something's just off. Getting into their body or even just their breath or something super simple, maybe we'll sit out on the patio and watch the squirrels and have a conversation and then we'll come inside and we'll do some extension work or we'll just do some stretching. I mean, it just really sort of depends on, again, what's going on with that person. But I think it's more about being able to kind of be a filtration to the kind of medical industrial complex of 
people not really being able to be looked at as individuals. We go into these Western medical offices and we're kind of like numbers and, and there's really no sense of how are you? What's going on? How's your family? There is no sense of that. So for me, it's important to encapsulate a place that people feel safe to be able to do that and to just give them permission to be messy or whatever that looks like and to just be with themselves and and get more comfortable with that process with their bodies and just work through the crap or work through the frustration of what's going on in our queer community or whatever the case may be. Or maybe they're having a great and amazing day and we do some really fun, challenging, you know, core work or whatever, whatever the case may be. So can you just break that down? Because some of a lot of people get onto this podcast for mm-hmm. the queer part. Sure. And then they may not know, like I've heard of Pilates, but I have no clue what it is. Yeah. And then besides not knowing what Pilates is, not knowing how you have queerified Pilates and made it your own thing. Yeah. So if you could just yeah. kind of explain, oh, this is what it is. And this is how I've made it my thing. That would be helpful. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. I guess it would help to explain what it is. Okay. So Pilates is essentially a system of movements that was created by a person name Joseph Pilates once upon a time at the beginning of the 20th century. And it is based in core stabilizing muscles. So your center, your core or powerhouse, as we sometimes call it. And it is basically, it can use equipment. You can use, you can see some of the equipment behind me. It's not necessary to use the equipment. There's mat work. So there's a whole series of exercises that he created And the way that I queerify it is (laughs) essentially, we were talking about this earlier, when I hear the word Pilates, and this has been true for me for a very, very long time, it's a very warped kind of sense (laughs) to me. When I hear the word Pilates, a lot of times what comes to mind is a, an affluent white woman on very expensive equipment with Lululemon clothing. And all of that's totally, absolutely fine. But I know that that can be very intimidating. I know for me as a queer person, you know, 20 years ago, when I was really introduced to this work, I felt like it wasn't a space for me. I felt like I don't not these people. I don't feel like I fit this. This doesn't feel like it fits for me. So how do I make this not as intimidating, I suppose. And how do I make it more fun? But it is, it's a, I mean, there's definitely seriousness to it. There's an order, yes, to the exercises. We are trained different modalities and, you know, especially with the equipment and being able to play with that model, but also give people some liberation when it comes to the work, because it's, it's a very layered experience. And it's really about, I mean, as my one of my mentors, Mary Bowen told me, she said, you really need to learn how to breathe. She said, and she's 93, I believe now or 94. She just had a birthday. She told me she didn't learn how to breathe until she was 50 years old. And mm-hmm. She thought she, she knew how to breathe. She was a comedian and she did all kinds of performing and really believed that she knew how to breathe, but had no clue until she actually started really delving into this work. And she did actually work directly with Joseph Pilates, sense of really getting into the work. And it's not easy work per se. So if it fe- they, a lot of times we say in Pilates, if it's easy, it's probably not Pilates. <laughs> so Pilates also supports your larger muscles by working on your smaller muscles. So you're not using, say, you know, 20 pound weights, right? So if you're working with weights, 
for example, you're using one or two pound weights on some of the equipment, like the equipment behind me, there are springs that Not are attached to see because most of it's audio. Can you describe it for us? Oh, I, I, sure. I sure. Like there is a, um, like a bondage equipment to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's weird. <laughs> exactly. So when queer people come into the space, it's really fun because most of us will say that like, wow, did I just walk into a dungeon? Right. <laughs> and I, you know, no, but that yes, there is a contract you're signing. <laughs> it's not, it's just so that you're not going to sue me if something weird happens in the studio, but with the springs. So what we have behind me is called a tower unit. It's a Graz tower unit. And it is a partial piece of equipment that also looks a lot like a piece of equipment that is currently sitting on that you can't see, which is called a Cadillac. <laughs> so there is a Cadillac, a reformer, a tower, a Wanda chair. So all of these pieces of, of equipment and apparatus have springs connected to various bars. There are leg springs and different things. And so you're able to, with these pieces of equipment, kind of learn where your muscles and body, or excuse me, where your muscles and bones are kind of supposed to live in your body. It kind of teaches you how to work in that space. So again, as I was saying with technology, I mean, we are, a lot of us are forward, heads are forward. So we learn where muscles and bones are kind of supposed to live versus where they want to live, right? But just based on our daily postural faults that, that come into play. So a lot of times the equipment, which is not necessary, you don't have to have equipment to do Pilates. A lot of times, sometimes the equipment can be really helpful in getting people into that space in their body going, oh, I can feel that now. Oh, I see that just with a little tension on a spring with a leg to extend your leg out, for example, attached to a spring, you can really feel the leg freely moving in the socket. You can feel that internal, external rotation a little bit better. So it's just a way of reconnecting and almost like a body scan when it comes to meditation. You're focusing on your limbs and other pieces, but the motivation of the work is really coming from this core experience. You're engaging your core and to engage your core, a lot of times we'll think of drawing your belly button in and up towards the back part of your waistline and really engaging that and then allowing your arms or legs, for example, to kind of freely move in the sockets and just letting your body flow, essentially. It's so great. It's like you're just leading me into the next part, which is, hey, could you give us an example for people to do at home who don't have equipment, who could have a brief experience of how to get into their bodies with a Pilates guided experience? Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I, I noticed that I was moving. I mean... <laughs> Not that well, anyone and you started to that. go there about like, this is what we do with our stomach. And so, right, right. Oh. So yeah, that's perfect. So there's an exercise called the hundred and it's a dreaded exercise in many ways. <laughs> it, it means a hundred breaths. And I'm going to just teach you just a very simple way to think about how to really connect with what I was just speaking about with the breath and the core. So just find yourself on a seat. If you are driving a car, riding a horse or a motorcycle, and you're listening to this, please don't do this. <laughs> you can do this afterwards. So you're just going to sit. And I want you to just try to find your sits bones and your butt, basically, and just try to feel like your weight is even on both cheeks, if you will. And then just kind of sit up tall, just whatever is tall for you. So 
lengthening through the back of the spine, letting your head just kind of sit on its axis. So if you know you have a tendency to push your head forward, see if you can just bring it back a little bit, shoulders down and back. So we're just going to be in this position. This is, by the way, not the hundred technically. It is going to give you an intro into the hundred breath cycle. So what's going to happen is we're going to do an inhale through our nose for five counts. And then we're going to exhale by relaxing our jaw and parting our lips just slightly. Exhale for five counts, but we're going to say a shush. We're going to do a shush breath. And that shush should really give you into that deep, deep sense of core. You should feel it go down into your gut a little bit, into your abdomen. So it goes a little bit like this. So we pause, just take an inhale, exhale for nothing. So you're just going to take a big inhale, exhale. And then we're going to take that inhale through our nose for five counts. So breathing in for five. And then we exhale as we say shush. And then pause and just breathe regularly for a second. So the shush breath, that shush breath, did you feel a sense of that? Yeah. Okay, good. So with the hundred... We are doing that sequence of breath 100 times. And usually this is done on the mat. So usually you're done, you're lying down and you are going in a forward flex position. <laughs> this is where it gets really interesting. And your legs are kind of at a 45 degree angle. Mine are always it at a 90. 45 is ridiculous. You have to be buff to be. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I was going to... Yeah. And I was going to say, so what I do with people who are like, what in the hell you want me to forward flex, you want me to breathe in and out for 100 breaths. You know, I'm not to, and when you're in that position, you don't want to be in your neck, because the goal is to really build those the trunk muscles, right? So when you're in that position in doing this exercise over time, you'll find that you're not in your neck. So if you come up and you think you're in your neck, your scalenes are popping out, Put your head down. You can you can just practice the breathing. It's a really simple, simple practice. And this breath practice is something that I'll just do in the middle of my day at any given point, not for a hundred, but in between virtual sessions. If I have a few minutes in between, I'll just do exactly what we just did and take that big legitimate, as I like to call it, inhale and exhale and just kind of recenter myself. And, you know, there's a lot of tension that can happen in the jaw. And I think that relaxing, when you can relax that part of the jaw, it can also relax some of the abdomen a little bit. So the shush breath is just a fun way to kind of get a little bit more in depth. I also think about it like you're wringing out water from a rag when you're doing that shush breath. So you're just every last atom of air you're trying to just get out. And for me, that in and of itself, I've done that with many students. I've had a couple people who who've done that and have started who broke down and just started crying mm -hmm. because it just releases, maybe releases something or whatever may be going on. So anything is possible. And I love being able to have the space that people can feel safe and do that instead of having to walk into a Pilates space and go, oh, God, are they going to know that? I? Are they going to think I'm gay? Are they going to think I'm weird? I don't have the same clothing. Oh, I don't know if I fit in with these people. I just want it to be a free space. And it Pilates may look like us going out and going on a walk up the street, up a hill and practicing that breath cycle. Maybe it is us getting on some of the equipment, 
Maybe it is going out to the ranch and meeting my horses and interacting with animals and seeing how your body feels in time and space next to an 1800 pound animal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I think that there is just an area of flexibility within my work. And over the years, it's been amazing that I've kind of found myself in the position that I am in because I do, I work a lot with animals and there is so much that I've learned by watching animals. <laughs> and and it, I feel like it's really helped me in my work with humans. And it's helped me understand that there's different perspectives and experiences. And, um, and I love that. I just, I love being able to have that space. So I want that to be open. And I want it to be a space specifically for queer people. But I'm open, of course, to all bodies. It isn't just, I'm not boxing and I'm only serving this population. But I want there to be this safe haven kind of experience and ability for people to know that they can just come and explore in whatever way that looks for them. That's wonderful. I wonder, as we begin to wrap up for the show today, I wonder if there's a brief exercise you'd like to tack on there that you can do with your pet. Ooh, yeah. Well, you know, what I love is anytime I'm doing virtual sessions with people, it's funny to watch people who have cats in particular. Anytime you get down on the floor, I always notice that animals will come up and start. It's interesting to watch what they do. They like to come in and they will start to do some of the stretching. Another piece that I like to watch with animals is yawning. Yawning is a really interesting component to some of the work too. And, and in terms of relaxation. So an exercise that you can do with your animal, that's a really great idea. Goodness. There's so many. Are you talking dog, cat, or does it matter? Well, I would assume that most people who are listening have a domesticated animal in the totally. Totally. Uh, more than uh, other. Now, we do have people listening overseas who have yeah. you know, different animals. So, yeah. But I think if we go with a domesticated animal, we'll, we'll reach more people who yeah. will be like, yeah, my cat, my dog is probably the most common. Yeah. I mean, for me, usually what I think would be is fun is just, I like, I used to do something back in the day when I was studying dance in my undergrad called contact improvisation. And I kind of approach animals and that like, if you're, if you have an animal in your space, and a lot of times if I'm doing just even simple stretching, kind of watching what that animal does, and then maybe finding a way to emulate that or complement that movement. If that makes sense mm -hmm. or watching an animal when they get up from sleeping, what do they always do before they get up? They get up and they usually will do a huge, long downward type stretch or a down dog, as I believe they call it in yoga. So it's always interesting to watch what animals do and how we can incorporate that into our own experience. So when you get out of bed, are you just rolling out and getting out and stumbling through? Maybe get up, stretch for a second, get up, do a big, huge stretch, extend, open up your shoulders, open up your chest. So I think it would be fun for listeners to just throw down a mat or get on, get on the floor, whatever works, and just kind of watch your animal and see if you can emulate or complement what they're doing and then maybe do a couple you know get on all fours and maybe do some cat stretches and some cat and cow stretches those are always fun I notice that animals tend to be curious when our bodies get into those shapes on the floor great I love that yeah. and I'd, I'd like to just put out there that I just did a retreat in Sonoma County mm -hmm. and I had people who were not able to get out of their chairs 
And you can still do cat cow in a chair. Yes, you can, you can still do the stretching and the yawning and all Absolutely. the things. But I love this idea of like watching our animals yeah. and imitating them yes. and just putting those movements in our bodies because our bodies are starting to move into patterns that are habituated by media. That's right. And so I really like this idea of like, hey, even if you don't have a pet, you can look out the window and go, how is that bird flying? That's right. How is that bug flying? How could I flap my wings? Like, what <laughs> could I do? Right. And I can't help myself. So I have to go back and say, I love just because I'm a little cranky about politics right now. Yeah, this idea of doing the shush of like shush. Like, yeah. Yes. I'm like, yes. I yes. Shush this right up, you know? Yes, like, oh, exactly. Like, person is like, I dig this. Yeah. And I've actually thought about that. Absolutely. I've worked with women who have gone through chemo and cancer and there's an exercise called inboxing. And I'm like, just punch the shit out of that cancer, get it out. So it's a sense of liberation. Again, it's that, and that is a queer component, just bringing it kind of back to, to that's how I incorporate it. And even if that person isn't queer or queer presenting or what have you, it's, it's just a way of, I guess, giving people permission. Well, and I want to celebrate because I know for myself, you know, I also did contact improv. You and I have all these overlaps. Oh, I love it. The first time. But I really want to celebrate that you've made yourself and you found a way with multiple disciplines and then found your own voice and ways of helping people come back into their bodies and yeah. take the time to be with themselves. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, 20 years into this, you know, it's not easy to create yourself day to day. And to yeah. take all the pieces and synthesize them. And that is, to me, part of the queering process. Like you're Absolutely. not just queer in sexuality, but you're right. queer in your liberatory movements towards race, towards trans people, towards healing our planet from the Western medical industrial complex. Yeah. So I, I just want to lift you up and say, I needed to be with another queer person who's creating their life. So I, I oh. so appreciate being with you today. Oh, that means so much. Thank you so much. It, there's still so much work to be done and I'm here for it. And we can cry and kick and scream and get excited and liberate ourselves together and have animal therapy when we can. <laughs> yes. yes. And take this time and be together and go, oh yeah. God, I got a break in my day with another really amazing human. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Same to you. Same yeah. to you. Anything that you didn't say that you want to make sure you say before I hit the stop recording button? Oh my gosh. I just want to have it. You know, I want to say there've been a couple of people in the Pilates community who've really inspired me even locally. Uh, and I don't even know her name is Teresa from Pilates Bar and Jams. And she is another individual who is a comprehensively trained Pilates teacher and a very has a very queer space. And I, and she always has really fun stuff on her Instagram. So I wanted to lift her up. And mm -hmm. then another person I wanted to just lift up is somebody who I am endlessly inspired by. And her name is Sarita Allen. And she is through the Alvin Ailey extension. And she has a an online class called Pilates Evolution. And it is East Coast. But if you're really motivated, it's totally worth it. You have to get up really early on Saturday morning. <laughs> It's at 6.30 in the morning, but it's a really wonderful form of exploration and very relaxing. And it's really great for beginners. So I have to, I just have to point those two out. There, there are so many other people that inspire me. If you're interested in anything about my work, 
My Instagram page is probably the best place for the most current content. So it's meet your core. So it's meet underscore your underscore core. And that's on Instagram. And currently we're going through something called March Madness. And in the sports ball world, hopefully that doesn't offend anybody by me saying sports ball, (laughs) but they have March Madness. So we call it March Madness, which is based off of the 34 mat exercises that Joe Pilates put in a book that he wrote called Return to Life. So the entire Pilates community celebrates this and each day is dedicated to that exercise. So today's the 15th, which is my personal nemesis exercise, which is called neck pull. So if you want to see any of that, go to March Madness can look that up on Instagram as well. But I've got daily photos that I am posting and just educational information about the exercises. And oh, last P, I want to say Pilates community is in a huge lawsuit with a man. I'm not even going to give his name because he's really not worth talking about. But the historical content of archive photo, archival photos of Joe Pilates and his work There is a particular person who basically wants to own all of that and doesn't want anybody else sharing that information. Mm -hmm. So there is something called the Pilates Transparency Project, and there's a huge GoFundMe to help support a teacher by the name of Mary, who's out of New York, who is being sued by this man because of the content that she chose to share on her Instagram page in support of just educating the community and showing some really cool historical stuff. And it's a very, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's a really important project. And if you are so inclined to go even just read about it and maybe want to donate a little bit in support of that, we want the archives to be free to everybody. And so I love to see that the Pilates community is coming together for something like that. And it's really important. So I'm hoping that, that the courts rule that that is not going to happen and that this other man doesn't take over this archival information. He also was part of the lawsuit that happened in the 90s when he wanted people not to use the word Pilates. He decided that he wanted to trademark that word. And it after a four-year lawsuit in the 90s, I think it was 2000, uh, a court deemed, a Manhattan court deemed, no, Pilates is the generic name. Anybody can use it. So that's why I'm able to use that word today. But it's the same guy who's now coming in in 2023 and nitpicking. He's shut down several people's Instagram accounts just by reporting that they are posting pictures that they aren't allowed to post because he's decided they are not allowed to post them. Yeah. Well, so, this is exactly what we're we're looking to change is that yep. you know, we want people to have information, not own information. That's right. That's right. So thank so. you for bringing that to light because not being a Pilates person, of course I wouldn't know. I know. I know. It's just... It's another the web we weave. <laughs> There's so much. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. So much. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. Hopefully you will think about teaching classes on there. I know your life is very busy. I would love to. Get yes. That way. Yes. That would I would great. love to. And I am going to be teaching some classes for the uh, dog behavior community and some of my community in the dog pro and, and dog trainer community. So I'll be doing I'm on some other platforms. So I would I would love to. Everything up on the bio and hopefully we'll get you teaching in the spring. Yay, that'd be great. Okay. I look forward to it. Yay. All right. All right. Bye everybody. Bye. You've been listening to the queer body podcast where we are redefining the edges of queer identity and healing for more information about Dr. Laura Polak or our podcast. Check out our website, communityholistichealth.com. 
Thank you for listening.